All right, well, the Tigers are back, and they are back to winning with a 4-0 victory over the Pittsburgh Pirates on Tuesday. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. The Detroit Tigers are back and winning baseball games, and that's a beautiful thing. They improve to a, what, 19-21 and 21 record on the young season with a 4-0 victory over the Pittsburgh Pirates in Comerica Park on Tuesday evening. Uh, this was a, a pretty, I, I don't want to say dominant because, like, they won 4-0. It wasn't like they won 12-0. Uh, but they were in command from, like, the second or third batter of this ball game through the rest of the game. Like, they, they really at no point... Was there ever a legitimate fear that the Tigers were going to lose this baseball game from nearly first pitch on? Um, we'll talk about Michael Lorenzen. He was great yet again. That is three consecutive incredible starts for him. Uh, but I want to start with the offense because on yesterday's show, we talked about uh, Luis Ortiz and we talked about how his stuff was really good and he had had some good major league starts under his belt. Uh, in this one, he just had no feel for the strike zone. Absolutely zero. He was really, really struggling to throw strikes. Um, you saw the stuff was good. Like, you saw the fastball was good. Again, like, sitting 96 most of the game, got up a little bit higher at times. The slider moves a ton. He's got a 90-mile-an-hour changeup. Like, he's got good stuff. This game, he just, for for anything, could not find the strike zone, unfortunately, for him. But fortunately for the Detroit Tigers, uh, I mean, he was, I don't know, just gripping the ball too tight? I don't know, man. Like, he was, like, spiking the ball in the dirt, throwing it way, way uh, glove side, like, way out of the zone. That's usually, like, a, you know, gripping the ball too tight thing. But I, I, I don't know what it was, but he did not have it in this game. And the reason I bring that up is not only is this a game recap, but to the Tigers' credit, they let him just work himself out of the ball game. Uh, at first inning. He had like a 25, almost 30 pitch first inning. And then like none of the innings after that were any better. Uh, the Tigers just let him, they didn't do him any favors. They didn't, they, they didn't help him out. They didn't help the cause. They didn't go chasing. They didn't, uh, they had really good play discipline and that's a great sign. And it's something that uh, it has not been a consistency in Detroit Tigers offenses over the last few five six seven years if we want to get super dramatic about it but uh in the last couple of years like that really is an important thing when you talk about dominating the strike zone that the Tigers haven't walked too terribly much this season uh they're not like at the bottom of baseball or anything but uh while the pitching has been dominating the strike zone in a big way the, the Tigers have the f- pitching staff I believe still has the fewest amount of walks allowed in the entire sport at the time of this recording if not it's it's very close to 
but the the offensive side of the ball, they haven't been doing themselves any favors in that regard. And that's something that this new era, this new regime of Tigers baseball, Scott Harris, they he he really wants to to have a team that's going to have high on base percentage. And so not helping a pitcher that is wild as heck on the bump is a, is a great thing. They, they had 15 base runners in this ball game, 10 hits on five walks, Maton walking twice, really solid all around. E- even the, the, the guys that weren't drawing walks consistently deep in accounts, whatever. Now, I'm not throwing a parade. Like, again, the dude was nowhere close to the strike zone for most players. So, like, uh, you're a major league ball player. You should be doing that. Uh, but it, when comparing – everything's relative, right? When comparing to what the Tigers have been for the last couple of years, it's nice to have a nice uh, a night like tonight, okay? So that's that's a really good thing that the Tigers did in this ball game. We're really, really – not helping out the pitchers, even when the bullpen came in uh, in this game for Pittsburgh, you know, still working counts and still going deep into counts and, and, and drawing a walk or two. So, yeah, solid, solid game, really solid when it comes to uh, play discipline. That's the phrase. Goodness gracious. Let's address the elephant in the room. I'm so, This is probably the most down I've been while recording a, a win ever. The Pistons got absolutely screwed. That's so sad. The fifth pick. That's so sad, man. Turn into Lockdown Pistons. Does a fantastic job over there, but golly. That's sad. That's real sad. Okay, let's get back to the Tigers. Tigers won a ball game. So we're going to think positively, be upbeat here. Uh, So individual for offense I guess we can do that kind of natural transition there uh again really was a a nice approach by everybody uh on the entire team even when the well at no point was uh, Ortiz really like consistently in the strike zone but even when he was throwing strikes I still felt like the uh the, the approach was good by the offense here uh Zach McKinstry with another hit continues to be I feel like I didn't give him enough credit in yesterday's episode when talking about like the off season and how the off season looks now McKinstry is a, is a Scott Harris edition that happened right before the season started. And he has been uh, an amazing ad. He is probably the leadoff hitter, especially against righties for this team going forward with no end in sight there. Uh, and he deserves it. He's been like objectively one of the best hitters on this baseball team this season. So uh, that, that Harris and McKinstry deserve a ton of credit there. Versatility really helping the team out a ton. So uh, good to see him a walk in a hit in this one, get on base twice, a fantastic slide over at third base as well. I know that the broadcast covered it a lot, so we don't have to go too in depth on it, but uh, yeah, really aggressive base running. And then a great slide to hand off the, the hand being on the bag to the tippy toe being on the bag and, and, and staying on there was great. Riley green. The story in this one, though, a three-hit night, almost a four-hit night. Diving play in the outfield to, to rob him of a hit. Almost went four for four, but he goes three for four instead. Has a 752 OPS on the season now and a 291 batting average. Had extra base hit in this one with a double. Uh, he has been absolutely crushing the baseball in May. His batting average in May is, I think it's like around 420, 
It might even be higher. It might have been that after the second hit. He's crushing. His OPS in the month of May is 973. Creeping up on a 1,000 OPS in the month. Uh, he, he's been incredible. He's been absolutely incredible. And the biggest thing is that we talked about so much in April, and we'll continue talking about, I'm sure, is the fact that not only is he just getting on base a lot more and, and, and you know, the ball is hitting him where he ain't. Like, it, it's a lot more than just that. He is lifting the ball to the pole side. I will not stop being a broken record about this. The adjustments he made in the middle of the season in the middle of a season to make an adjustment like that and go from just a complete inability to lift the ball to the pull side to now consistently doing it has, has become some sort of a doubles machine after not hitting a double in the entire month of April. Awesome. Absolutely awesome stuff there. So uh, he deserves so much credit. And and you knew that it was going to come around. He's an incredibly talented player and and really, really takes pride in his swing because it is a thing of beauty when it's on. And uh, yeah, three for four night in this one. The other person that had a great game. Actually, I want to talk about Javi first before Torkelson because he had one of the funniest at-bats I think I've ever seen in my life in the first inning. We'll get into that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at So Rare. It's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience. You can collect, buy, sell, and compete with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance. You can collect more powerful cards, access an S-level competition. It really is awesome. They're partnered with Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, they're both part of the current campaign. And you see their commercials all over the place. It's really cool, the, the, the wave, the movement that is so rare. It's very, very fun. And uh, yeah, they, it's just kind of like a fantasy setup in the sense that it's that there's two games every week. You have like your weekday games and on your weekend slate of games and uh you go in and go head to head against other people and you truly are the owner of your team so head to so rare.com slash locked on that's s-o-r-a-r-e.com to draft your team of free player cards set your lineup and start competing to an epic rewards again that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two, Locked On Tigers. So, Tigers get a 4-0 victory over the Pittsburgh Pirates. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. As always, shout out to the everydayers. We'll be back tomorrow recapping the series finale against the Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll talk about that game in a little bit at the end again. Uh, but let's go back to individual performances. So, we talked Riley Green has been sensational over the last few weeks. Javi Baez, so he goes he goes one for four with an RBI, and he's hit safely in a lot of games in his last 30. The funniest at-bat ever to me was the first inning when there's a runner in scoring position in Riley Green, and Javi goes fishing on a slider low and away that is just kind of an evergreen statement. Then a slider low and in – he swings through, and then there's a slider that almost bounces on the dirt, it seemed like, 
and he just stays with it and softly hits it the opposite way. It's a seeing eye single on a ground ball, and it's an RBI. It's just like, I, I don't, <laughs> please stop swinging at sliders low and away. Please stop swinging and missing at sliders, please. But it's just hilarious that even when he's doing that, like he still found a way to get an RBI in this game by chasing a slider way out of the strike zone. Like that was just hilarious to me. Very, very funny at bat. Um, Spencer Torgelson, though, the other story in this one goes two for four with an RBI. Both hits were uh, were doubles. He has been on a tear lately as well. His OPS in the month of May is creeping up to a, around 800. So not as crazy as Riley Green, but uh, his numbers continue to uh, to go up and head in the right direction as well. Has been hitting the ball very hard lately. Always a good sign. Uh, but yeah, the, I mean, this game, the one double was cranked over the left fielder's head. RBI, fantastic stuff. So yeah, this offense is good. We talked about it earlier in the year. Like this offense is going to be so, so, so contingent on Riley Green, Javi Baez, and Spencer Torkelson producing, right? Like if you were to break the offense into three parts, I used this analogy earlier in the season, very, way earlier in the season, like first couple of the weeks of the year. I'm not going to expect the bottom third of this lineup to consistently produce. It's not going to single-handedly win us games. I do expect the top three to produce runs on a relatively consistent basis. And the heights that this team will reach will be, in my opinion, offensively, almost entirely dependent on what happens in the middle third of the lineup and how much production you can get out of that. And we're seeing now Javi has been swinging a much hotter stick over the last three weeks. And uh, and Riley Green has obviously been on a tear, as we said, in the month of May in the last couple of weeks. So we're starting to see, finally, the comfortability of the statement that I made of the top third of the lineup will produce, at least. It's about, now, again, relative term. I'm not saying that the top third of the lineup is going to be, like, murderer's row. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, just in comparison to the rest of the team, that's where a lot of your runs are going to score. And Torkelson, being a part of the middle third, of the lineup as it's current, as it's been constructed all season, it's going to be really important for him to get going. And lately he has been so yeah, really, really good at bats all around from torque. All four of them. I, I, I thought were uh, uh, one of them was not great, but most of them again, solid, solid game, not trying to take away from his game at all. Nick Maton over two with two walks and a strikeout. I don't, I'm not sure he saw a fastball. Oh, he might've saw one. The fly out to left field might've been a fastball that he was laid on, but yeah, like this. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. We talked about it the day before, and the day before, and the day before, and the day before. The the funny part to me is that like he was able to draw walks in this one, which is at least something. Like he's not chasing the off speed pitches and chasing the breaking pitches as much in this game. Now, is that sustainable? I, I'm certainly not going to come on here and be like, hey, look, he drew two walks on a breaking ball filled at bat. That means he's seeing it better. He still struck out on one in this game as well. I'm, I'm not going to say oh, this is like the turning point or anything. He's got a lot more to prove before we get there. But um, just uh, uh, a nice, nice thing to see. It'd be a lot nicer if he was hitting the ball hard. But I'll take some anything at this point from him. 
Um, I think that's pretty much the only standouts I wanted to to talk about individually on offense. Um, yeah, but I, again, just all all around. I mean, almost everybody got on base. Uh, just a really really solid game when it in terms of approach, and that's really really refreshing, and hopefully something that we can carry onto the next, the, really the rest of the month when we play. Uh, opponents are only going to get easier and easier. So that's a good thing to see here. Uh, let's talk pitching, though, because this is the biggest storyline of this ballgame. Michael Lorenzen. Well, Riley Green might be. But Michael Lorenzen goes six innings, five hits, no runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. His ERA is now down to 3-4-4 on the season. And in his last three outings combined, he has only given up two total runs. He has been very, very solid. Now, it's interesting, too, because the first start of these, the Mets start, I don't think he had very many strikeouts in that game, right? Wasn't it only like a two or three strikeout performance? So the fact that, not, I mean, this was high pitch count, 100 pitches through six innings, but six innings, seven strikeouts to two walks. Lorenzen's always going to have probably a walk or two. Uh, he, he's a guy that is not going to be like Eduardo Rodriguez on the bump where he's just going to fill the strike zone and, and going to dominate that way. Lorenzen is is going to to utilize pitch and count leverage, and sometimes that's going to be a lot of full counts. So we and that's something that we saw in this game. But I thought the pitch mix was really solid. Uh, the command again, it's never going to be pinpoint with him. It was a little shaky at times. Got behind on counts he shouldn't have gotten behind on. But when he needed to make pitches, he did, and that is the most important thing that a starting pitcher can do. When he needed to, when his back was against the wall and he wasn't a full count, consistently getting strikeouts on 2-2 two, two, and 3-2 three, two counts, that's beautiful. And I, I did want to shout out the pitch mix because I thought it was really impressive in this one. That's probably a combination of him and Eric Haas, who we talk so often about how great Jake Rogers is behind the plate, but I thought Eric Haas was pretty solid in this one. Um, but yeah, he went mostly four-seam fastball, but had a lot of sliders and change-ups. Uh, we know that the slider and changeup thing pretty much determines for Lorenzen is based on the handiness of the the batter. Uh, so that's something that he utilized a lot in this ball game. But 13 whiffs, really solid. 30% CSW percentage, really solid. Great performance. The the thing that I think was one of the more impressive pitches specifically in this game, the most impressive pitch probably was his four seam fastball. When he needed to make a pitch, that seemed to be the one that he went to. And I, I don't know if it was a combination uh, or it, it was a combination. I don't know which one was more the cause of it. If it was a scouting report thing or just he was mixing his pitches so well. Uh, three different pitches he threw over 24% of the time. That's really solid pitch mix there. Um, but he was really buckling people with low fastballs like consistently throughout this ball game fastball at the knees fastball at the knees fastball at the knees just called strikes not even offered by pirates hitting uh and yeah he took advantage of a team that as we said coming into this game on yesterday right if you listen to yesterday's episode and we talked about the series preview this is comfortably the worst offense in baseball in may the pirates they are like 15 runs behind 29th 
nonetheless the rest of like the median and 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 the, the rest of the pack. So he took advantage of an offense that has been really struggling lately and, and pitched shutout ball. We'll get into the offense. We will get into uh, the the game tomorrow, today as you're listening to this, and we will get into a prospect that had like one of the most insane stat lines I've ever seen for the Detroit Tigers in this one. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is awesome. This is, uh, they actually sent all of us some shorts and I'm actually, I'm just now realizing wearing my bird dog shorts that they send me right now and they are incredibly comfortable i golfed in them the other day and they made me want to only wear these shorts golfing for any time i golf ever again and i mean i'm just like lounging around right now obviously i'm working but like afterwards i'm just kind of hanging out they're really comfortable for that as well uh it's it's really fascinating they, they have like polyester and cotton blend and there's liner in them as well so you can just wear these shorts and and if you have the liner in them like don't have to wear underwear which is like a weird thing that I wasn't really used to but they're unbelievably comfortable unbelievably comfortable I highly recommend them across the board uh go check them out and yeah I, I just I, I was truly amazed like while I was on the golf course I was genuinely amazed by how comfortable they were and and uh yeah, I have wanted to wear them like nearly every single day since, but obviously I, I can't do that unless I just continue getting more. And uh, again, cannot say enough good things about them. Uh, so go to birddogs.com slash MLB. And when you enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB, they will also throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. I got one of those too. Very, very cool. So, uh, yeah, definitely go check out Bird Dogs. Birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Use promo code locked on MLB to get your free Yeti style tumbler with your order. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in as always. Let's talk about the bullpen. So uh, we're going to start with Jose Cisnero, actually. Uh, his ERA is now under three on the season. Jose Cisnero's ERA is 293. Another, this was one of his better outings of the entire season. One inning, no hits, runs, or walks, two strikeouts. Can't ask for too much better than that. Crazy end to the ball game. I, I don't know how many times I've seen someone get ejected after a game ends. That's kind of wild. Uh, but... Cisnero was great. The stuff was good. The command was good. Uh, Again, this is one of his better outings of the year. And again, sub three ERA now on the season. But to me, the reliever of the game award, we'll call it, certainly goes to Will Vest. Two innings, no hits, no walks, no runs, three strikeouts. His ERA is now 1-4-2 on the season. And uh, again, like I cannot stress enough how just different he looks on the bump. Right, like this was a dude that in spring, I thought looked like he was really struggling, and when he was in Toledo, his numbers were like not very much better to start off the season, but the Tigers stayed with him. 
They used him as the 27th man in a doubleheader, and then within a week called him back up for good, and he has been absolutely lights out. Uh, one of the key parts of this bullpen success has been those caliber of guys, right? Like we talk so much about Lang and Foley and how consistent and good they are, but the the dudes that started off at the bottom of the totem pole, I guess you would say, in terms of leverage, that have been great. Tyler Holton, Mason Ingler, Will Vast, all to different degrees uh, of success. That's really been the reason why these, this bullpen is, is being looked at so fondly at this point in the season. And Will Vest obviously deserves a ton of credit in that. Um, one more thing I just want to say about the Pirates before, or about this game rather, before we move on. Um, Carlos Santana, man. Uh, he has like a 700 OPS on the season and is certainly not the player he was. He's getting up there in years, probably close to the the end of the road as far as his career goes. I don't care if he hasn't gotten a hit in six months and is 87 years old. He will always be one of the most difficult at-bats, I think, for like an opposing pitcher. He just does not swing out of the strike zone ever, ever. You remember prime Carlos? You remember prime Carlos Santana in Cleveland and how he would just torment the Detroit Tigers. I mean, back then, like his all-star season and whatnot, he had power and he was walking more than like anyone like that. It's just amazing to me. Like he'll continue to like bat in hearts of lineups a varying degree of, of team, you know, success just uh, until he stops being this way. And I don't think he ever will. Like if Carlos Santana just played until he was 60, like it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> Exaggeration, obviously, but for real, he he is such a professional hitter that like I don't care what the numbers say at all. He will always be one of the more difficult at-bats. And just like hitting my stomach, just like kind of scary at-bats as a viewer. He never chases anything, man. Just is never fooled by what they're throwing at him. Just the definition of a professional hitter. Really solid career, too. Very underrated. Career war, like in the mid-30s. Really, really solid career for Carlos Santana. Um, Okay. Let's get into, uh, really quickly, tonight's game as you're listening to this, Wednesday's game. Oh, it might be a day game. I want to help my uh, my listener out who wants me to say the start times. 1.10 p.m., so a day game, in fact, on Wednesday. So uh, maybe you're listening to this. Maybe you're just skipping this episode because you you listen on your, day, on your way home from work and uh, they play a day game. But as far as... Uh, this game goes, Rich Hill, who again is like 43 or 44 years old and has a mid four ERA and does not get any swings and misses, any strikeouts, gets hit hard. Like it's just the definition of like a four or five ERA pitcher at this point in his career, uh, but has a big loopy curveball. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. You have set yourself up nearly perfectly. Like if you were to... to draw like the textbook way to set up game two of a two game series. It would be kind of what the Tigers did. 
they went through their bullpen. I guess they only used two relievers because they just had multiple inning relievers out there. But you chewed through their long relievers. You knocked a starter out early, which I guess doesn't matter for tomorrow's game. Uh, But for your own team, you didn't use any of your best relievers and you have your ace going on the mound. So on both sides, right, on on what the Pirates are going to have to do to game plan for tomorrow, today, and... What you did for yourself, you saved your two-headed monster before an off day as well. So even if it's like a three or four run game, you can still send them out there and feel fine about it, right? Because you have an off day on Friday or Thursday. Just beautifully beautifully set up to uh, t- to go do some damage and, and uh, try to take both games here. Okay, cool. The only other really thing I want to say is just something I've said a billion times throughout this season. Uh, the Tigers won this game four to nothing. They probably should have won six, seven, or eight to nothing. Uh, this team is just allergic to hitting with runners in scoring position. Went two for ten on the day. Had first and third no outs and didn't score at one point, uh, and then had first and second one out and didn't score at a different point. So that was infuriating. I was very upset. But then the lottery happened, and I was kind of just upset about that and just sad. And also, the Tigers still won by four and didn't give up a run. I'm not going to complain too terribly much. That's kind of why we're just talking about it at the end. Not going to complain about a four-run victory uh, where where the pitching looked as good as it is too terribly often. So we'll take it, but... The problem that has lingered throughout this entire season in batting average, batting average with runners in scoring position is very much still prevalent uh, today, clearly. So, anything else? I think that's it. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. No, I lied. Colt Keith. Colt Keith had an absolutely unbelievable baseball game down in Erie. Okay. He hit for the cycle with two home runs, and he had a home run and a triple after the first inning. His final stat line in seven innings was five hits, two homers, a triple, a double, a single, and seven RBIs. Absolutely incredible. And Colt Keith, for my money, now that you asked, is the best prospect in the Tigers organization currently. Uh, I'm a very big fan of his, and I think that he will play himself into the mix of, if he's good enough defensively, third base of the future is very up for grabs. Uh, But there's still some question marks about his long-term defense. At a very minimum, if if you play offense, you'll find a spot for somebody in a lineup at at the major league level. And... uh, so maybe corner outfield, who knows? Maybe they'll give him some looks at second. I don't even know. But it would be beautiful if he just ended up being the third baseman of the future. I think that would be everybody's dream scenario. Um, has had some really hot moments this year and some cold moments this season. Uh, this week specifically, or over the weekend specifically, kind of a colder stretch. But obviously is seeing the ball fine at the moment. Just wanted to point that out. Cold Keith, I think a lot of people are very excited about him. Maybe September, if he's hitting really, really well, maybe. But I think next year is probably when we're going to get our our first uh, look at Cole Keith in a Tigers uniform. All right, cool. 
Now, thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every single day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping, hopefully, a two-game series sweep against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. Shout out to y'all. Thank you all for the continued support. It means the absolute world to me. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. And I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.